You're listening to The Way Out, creating financial freedom through network marketing with Andrew Logan. This podcast is your step-by-step guide to building and growing your own business and creating passive investment vehicles. If you crave legacy, wealth, and freedom, keep listening. Hello and welcome to The Way Out Podcast. Andrew Logan here. Great to be with you as always for another episode, episode number 55 today. And as always, appreciate having you here supporting the podcast. Now, today I want to continue on with our Investing 101 series and get into the topic of shares and ETFs, or exchange traded funds as they're called, which can sound a little bit complex and we'll get to all that. And again, obviously, there's so much to talk about as well. I want to give a a general 101 introductory view about it. And then if this sounds like something you want to do, if this sounds like a way for you to invest your money in the vehicle you want to look at, please, please, please go off and read another five or 10 books and, and like really study things before you put your money in. You should never invest a dollar in something you don't understand And also, you should never invest a dollar before you know how to get out. It's very easy to learn how to get into something, um, but we've got to make sure that we have an exit plan too, because that's kind of when you make your money. (laughs) You you don't make your money while it's sitting in there just doing nothing. You make your money by selling it. Well, to an extent. And again, we'll get to that. You can make money just leaving it sitting there. We'll get to all that. But anyway, let's just talk some quick definitions. So what is a share? So A share is basically buying a share of a company. You are buying into a shared position in a company. So stocks or shares, exact same thing at the end of the day, just, you know, different names. But what you are doing is you are buying a small percentage of a company. Now, obviously, if you've got heaps of money, you can buy a bigger percentage of that company. If you've got heaps of money, you're possibly not listening to this. As a kind of 101, you already know the the basics of what you're going to do. But you can look at, you know, an Amazon, an Apple, a Tesla, you know, or the local bank or the local mining company. Australia's, you know, again, very big in mining. And we'll talk, we talked about that in the commodities and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a sec too. And you can say, you know what, I believe in this company or this company's had a little bit of a dip, but I believe it's going to go up and I'm going to buy a share in that company. Now, we also have ETFs and index funds. And and again, very similar things at the end of the day, just, you know, the names are slightly different, but at the end of the, and then at the end of the day, the, at the end of the day, ETFs and index funds are what they're essentially like a, a tracking indice that like indicates the value of a broad range of things. So what does that mean? Well, basically like you can get an ETF that tracks housing. So if you can't quite afford to get into property yet, but you're like, you know, the property market's really booming, you could buy an ETF of the property market, your local property market, or you could buy the American property market from Australia. You could buy commodities, like we're talking in the last Investing 101 series about how commodities can be a bit volatile and manipulated, and it's really more about the kind of future value in the futures market than actual right there and then, because there's more gold traded every day than actually exists in the world. But you could say, you know what, I think gold will go up over time, but I I don't have enough money to either get into gold or I don't want to go into a kind of really manipulated futures market. So I'm just going to buy like an ETF that tracks the price of gold. So basically, you're kind of buying a share for all intents and purposes, 
but it tracks the price of gold. It's not based on, you know, the performance of this company like a share is. It's based on the price of gold. And you can get ETFs on the S&P. You can buy like, you know, the the S Spider Trust, so the S&P 500 is one of the most famous ETFs, and it just tracks the broad S&P. So it's tracking like all the value of all the big 500 companies on the New York Stock Exchange. So then you can also say, you know what, like I think America is going to go up. I'm going to buy into an ETF that tracks the, the S&P 500 or into the Australia 200. And you can do that with all different kind of indices and ETFs. And really, there is no limit to what you can do. And again, if you think like lumber is going to come back, like lumber had a real push over in the US for a while, like its prices were astronomical because there was a supply demand. So rather than going and buying bits of timber on the US future market, you could buy an ETF that tracks the price of lumber. Or you can say, you know, coming into winter in North America and, you know, North America, huge consumers, that means probably oil and heating lamp and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to get into the futures market, but I will track the ETF shorter term that tracks those things. So from a technical point of view, as far as buying and selling, they essentially work the same. You buy into this stock and it's tracking the price. An ETF and index fund tracks the price of a bunch of things. A share is really tracking the profitability and reliability and kind of excitement of an individual company. And so we'll talk about that in a sec. So when we look at stocks and ETFs, the actual process of kind of going in, buying them, you know, and then getting out is very much the same. So we look at it from a cap growth point of view, a capital growth point of view, or a cash flow point of view. So capital growth is basically buy low, sell high. You know, oil is down at the moment. It's going to go up. I'm going to buy low, sell high on the ETF of oil. Or, you know, Apple's had a, you know, it's new iPhone 13 comes out next month and it's terrible and stocks plummet. But you're like, you know what? That's fine because Apple's a company I'm going to buy low and it's going to get back up and I'm going to sell high later. You know, that's a kind of capital growth point of view. Or you look at it from a cash flow point of view, which is then when we look at dividends. So as a part owner of a company, as a shared owner of the company, you are able to earn part of the profits of the company. So if a company has a really good year and they like, you know, what profits are we going to, we've got our revenue, we've got our expenses, and then we've got all these profits. Some of them we need to reinvest back into the company and the rest of them we give to our owners, our shareholders. And so you can get dividends. And if you have a, a good based, you know, uh, investment portfolio that's quite varied and in different sectors and stuff like that, you can be earning regular dividends across the year. And that regular cash flow is money in your pocket that you can then reinvest or you can use to spend. So obviously, I'm a very cash flow heavy investor and I tend to stick more to property. But when I do like spend time in the share market, it's about high dividend companies because I want money in my pocket regularly because I can send the kids to school and buy them food with that. It's great to know its potential value, but as you know, you cannot pay your bills with unrealized capital gains. So as I was saying earlier, if you've bought Apple at $100 and then it goes to $200 and you've doubled your money, that's great, but you're only going to get that money when you sell. So until you sell, it's called unrealized capital gains. And it's great and you can tell all your friends, but then you've got to sell it and you've got to pay tax on it, blah, blah, problem with that. Anyway. Let's get to how we actually work them and what we do. So 
With ETFs and with stocks, you can really look at at it from a technical, which is more a kind of shorter term emotional based point of view, or from a fundamental point of view. So as I said, you can look at Apple and say, you know what, this company is, is fundamentally so strong. They've got this huge cash reserves. They've just got a ridiculous amount of cash sitting there. If anything goes wrong, I trust this company and I'm really willing to buy it at kind of whatever price, like lower, better, but I'm willing to buy it whatever price because the fundamentals of the company are strong. The fundamentals of the market demand are strong. I like how it's run and I'm just going to kind of hold it for the really, really long term. So you're looking for fundamentally good companies. And that's really the Warren Buffett value investor point of view where, look, you know, I want to buy them cheaper. I want to look for companies that have had little short-term crashes again, like there's a, a chip supply problem or whatever, and the iPhone 13 is delayed and Apple, you know, stockholders kind of, oh, I'm out and they sell off and there's a little dip, but they say, you know what, I'm not worried about that small technical dip because the fundamentals are strong and I'm going to go in, I'm going to buy up and then I'm just going to hold. And Warren Buffett always says, you know, don't buy anything that you wouldn't want to hold. And then the market closes the next day and you've got to hold it for like 20 years because you can't get your money. Like he is so, so, so fundamentally based. He's also, you know, incredibly, incredibly successful and wealthy because he just does that. Or you can look at more a technical short term point of view where you are looking more at a market emotions. So you're looking at you know, waves and indicators and, you know, you're looking at kind of how many standard deviations away from this and what's that candle mean? You're looking at kind of, you know, technical representations and candlestick data and indicators and stuff like that. And that's a shooting star. So, you know, maybe this bull market's exhausted a little bit and the kind of everyone's starting to sell and it's kind of coming back down to earth and I'm going to set my stop loss there and then I'm going to get out kind of stuff, all those sorts of things. Like that's more shorter term. And again, if you're a maths nerd like me, it's quite exciting to kind of look at and kind of really make up these numbers and, and risk analysis and all that kind of stuff. And you, you beautiful Excel spreadsheet that maths nerds like myself create. That's looking at things from a technical analysis that, you know what, the market's doing this at the moment, but I think it's a bit exhausted or I think it's kind of underappreciated and I'm going to get in and I'm going to run this kind of quick wave up and then I'm going to get out and I'm going to take my short-term capital growth in a trading mindset. If you're looking for cash flow and long-term investment, you're looking at fundamentals. Now, obviously, if you can buy them cheaper, always better. But if you believe in a company for 20 years, any price is good at the end of the day because you're looking at the long-term cash flow dividends. Cheaper is better, but it's better to be in there than not. Okay. So looking at the pros and cons of the stock market, pros, the, the greatest thing about the stock market and ETFs and index funds is that you can start tomorrow. Like you can just come in very quickly, set up a brokerage account, send them a bit of information, get your bank account sorted, transfer some money over, and you can be in there very quickly. And there's also things like put options, which we'll talk about another day, but you know, trailing stop losses and stop losses and stuff like that, where you can set insurances. So if you do kind of buy something and then you switch your phone off for 10 days and you go away on holiday, everything's kind of taken care of to an extent where you've got the stop losses in place, And again, it's even easier to get out of. You set these things and you set your targets and then you just set and forget, essentially. And the other thing with the stock market is you can start with very small amounts of money. So I do love property, but it's expensive to start in property. And we'll talk about that another day. So you can start in the stock market in the short term, at least. And again, like I said, 
before you really invest real money, like always just, you know, paper invest for a while and start with short amounts of money. Because the one thing with the stock market is that mathematically, and I learned this lesson the hard way, mathematically, it's the easiest looking thing to do in the world. You look at these trend lines, you look at these indicators, you look at the oscillators and you're like, man, it's obvious, like this thing's going to go. And it's so simple mathematically at that point. But then once your money is in the market, it becomes an emotional thing. And, you know, if you're a bit young and stupid, like I was and in my 20s, and you might put a bit too much money in and kind of over leverage yourself a little bit and, and kind of bet the farm a bit too much. And then you're just watching these waves go up and down and little blips up and down. You're making and losing thousands of dollars up and down every minute. It becomes this huge emotional turmoil. So we always want to start with small amounts of money because when we paper trade, we should start, sorry, we should start with paper trading first and then just start from there with small amounts of money and just get used to the emotions of seeing your money go up and down. Because, you know, we do have some share shares going and, and some investments in that US stock market particularly. So every morning when you wake up, there's sort of this like, oh, good day or bad day. Like it's, you know, it's been up and down. And if you're not in control of your emotions, it can be really wrangling. So the pros are very easy to start in. You can start with small amounts of money. You can set your insurances. You can get put options, and we'll talk about them another day. Set your stop losses, and you can be out in five seconds as well, and you have your money tomorrow. The cons, of course, to me, is that there's an element of lack of control too. Now, that can be a positive as well. If you've never run a business before, the stress and the emotional toil of running a business can be too much for some people. So you buy, you buy into companies where there's like good CEOs in place. But of course, part of that is the risk that we don't know if that CEO is really good or not. You know, we can look for people with track records, but, you know, there have been bad CEOs and you look back to the GFC because history is instructive and, and we can learn a lot from history. All these like CEOs who just ran their companies into the ground, took their bonuses and left. And if you have a stock in that company and the CEO decides to kind of get a bit selfish and just run the company into the ground, not reinvest, just pay themselves instead, you can lose a lot of money, unfortunately. So there is that lack of control. And they're also extra market waves. Like the reason I like property is because I can still control it every day. I can go around to the house and sort of see it. Sometimes with market waves, things can just happen that is completely out of our control. And it's not that property isn't immune to that, but it's just more, there is that little bit more volatility in the stock market. And the saying is, you know, the markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain patient or solvent. So you could, again, you can be in Apple and this, you know, long-term, incredibly profitable, successful company, but stuff's happening in China. Okay. And then they decide not to send their chips over and that market irrationality affects your back pocket. And there's a, an element of how much can you stay patient and how much can you stay solvent too. If you lose half your money overnight because someone in China argues with someone in the US, then you know, like that can be hard, obviously. And sometimes the ability to get your money out immediately means that we can be a bit quick to act as well. You know, with property, one of the good things because I can get emotional at times is that I'm just like, you know what, I've got to write, I just got to ride this wave because I'm forced to because selling property does take time and it can be a bit hard and a bit painful at times as well. So stocks, a beautiful way to get involved, beautiful way to start learning and a beautiful way to just put small amounts of money in and start to learn that emotional control, the emotional IQ, you know, your EQ. And 
again, as a math nerd, I thought I'm math nerd. I'll, I'll just crush this. And I learned very, very quickly. It's so much more about my emotions than any Excel spreadsheet I can create. So it's a beautiful place to start. And it is a great way to kind of put money in, find well-established companies or well-established indexes that are just too big to fail, essentially. And we can just put our money in and we can take dividends over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we can just get paid and paid and paid and paid again. Beautiful way to do that. There are some cons with anything. There is risk. There is an element of a lack of control and there is an element of getting caught up in market waves that are irrational and, you know, financial contagion, the ripple effects that we just can't control. But you know what? If you can learn how to do that, you can set your insurances. You can only invest amounts of money that aren't going to get you in that emotional roller coaster. We put money away, we accumulate, we build up, and we really, really grow an amazing portfolio. You can have an incredible success. And the great thing, again, about the network marketing industry is we get cash flow and we can immediately put that cash flow. Like you can be putting $50, $100 a week, like micro investing, but you can find a good ETF, find a good index fund and just $50 a week, $50 a week, $50 a week, $50 a week. You can turn that into six and seven figures very, very quickly if you're consistent in that. And you can turn your $100 a week that other people would turn their nose up to and why are you doing that stupid thing? You're only making $100 a week. And you can turn around and say, you know what, I turn this $100 a week into a million dollars and that million dollars pays me dividends over and over and over and over and over and over again for the rest of my life. So that's pretty cool too. And that's the real thing about a side hustle as we kind of finish up today. And as always, the really great thing about this is that we can create cash flow very, very quickly and we can put that money to work even faster if we know how. It's all about having the mindset and the skill set. And hopefully you've learned some of those things today. Hopefully you can take some of this into your future and really, really change your future and your family's legacy for the long term. So I want to thank you as always for listening. I hope you've got value out of this and we'll see you next week for another podcast. Catch you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Way Out, creating financial freedom through network marketing. Connect with Andrew on Instagram and Facebook at Andrew James Logan. For your seven-step system to financial freedom and other tools and resources to help you grow your business fast, go to www.andrewlogan.net. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Until next time, keep moving forward.